0: to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the gospel according to Saint John the 14th chapter beginning at the 15th verse. If ye love me keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning to friends in Christ Jesus. This is the day which the Lord hath made, and I hope we are rejoicing in it. I hope you are relaxed and that you are thankful that you came to church this morning. As you have heard me mention that today in the Christian church is known as Pentecost Sunday. And here at Emmanuel, this is Commitment Sunday also. This is the day when those of us who have committed ourselves to Christ in the past will recommit ourselves today. This is also the day when some who have never committed themselves to Christ publicly before will do it at the second service this morning. You may say, Pentecost Sunday, what's it all about? Well, the word Pentecost, Christian friends, it means the numeral fifty. It tells about an event that took place on the fiftieth day after Easter and that would be today the fiftieth day after Easter centuries ago. When Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples the night before his death He told them that he was going to go away from them and they were filled with sorrow and grief because he was leaving them. Then he told them not to be filled with sadness. He said because his going away meant that he would send them another comforter. He would send them the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. So he made that promise to them in the upper room the night before he died. And then you know he died on Good Friday, he rose again on Easter and then he appeared for forty days at various times. And then came Ascension Day when he returned to heaven and on that day before he went back to heaven, he told the disciples, you go back to Jerusalem and you wait for me because, he said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost very shortly now, the Comforter, so you stay in Jerusalem. And so they came down, you remember, from the Mount of Olives on that ascension day, the 40th day after Easter, and they gathered together in Jerusalem, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, as Jesus had promised that he would send him. In that meantime, as they waited and gathered together, there were 120 of them. As they gathered for prayer, uh, Peter got up and said, "'Since Judas is now dead, we will fill the apostolate again,' and there were two men nominated." One man with the name of Justice and another man with the name of Matthew. They prayed, you recall, and they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthew. So another Matthew joined the twelve. And then came Pentecost, or the fiftieth day, which is today. And then on this day Jesus fulfilled the promise that he had made. He sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to them. And that coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost was attended by three miracles. The one was a mighty sound as of a great rushing wind and it attracted attention and men ran to the place where they heard that wind wondering what was taking place. The next attendant miracle was this, that there were tongues on the heads of the disciples, the 120, that were gathered together on this day centuries ago. And then those who had tongues like as a fire on their heads, they spoke in foreign languages that they had never learned before, uh, speaking of the great things of God. These were the attendant miracles that marked the fulfillment of Christ's promise on Pentecost that he would send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And so today on Pentecost Sunday, we say to ourselves, what does it all mean? Well, when Peter got up that day and he preached the word of God, preaching in the Aramaic in the Jewish language, We are told that there were devout Jews in Jerusalem and three thousand of them came into the Christian Church. It was the birthday of the Christian Church. Three thousand souls were added and that's why on Pentecost Sunday it is the custom in the Christian Church that again we have Commitment Sunday and that new members join the Christian congregation. So we say to ourselves this is Pentecost, this is Commitment Day And this day then calls to you and me to give our thanks and to give our praise to Christ that he fulfilled the promise of sending the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to us. That he sent the Comforter, the one to console you and me, the one to cheer you and me, that the Holy Ghost came as the Comforter to dry our tears, to make us smile, to bring joy and hope in our hearts. And therefore, Pentecost says, "'Thank Christ that he fulfilled that promise.'" that he sent the Holy Spirit the Comforter. And you and I may say, well, it rather leaves us cold. You say, I am to thank Christ that he fulfilled the promise of sending the Holy Spirit the Comforter who dries my tears, who brings joy to my soul, who again puts sunshine there, who comforts me, who consoles me. And we may say to ourselves, "I'm, I'm hardly conscious of that comfort that the Holy Spirit brings me. And we may have some fuzzy thinking with regard to the Holy Spirit and we may say this morning well is he much of a comforter does he really console us is the Holy Spirit one who comes into your heart and mind and who again brings joy and peace and consolation does he really dry our tears what kind of a comforter is he really now the one who came on Pentecost And may you and I be assured that there's every reason when Pentecost calls on you and me this morning to thank and praise Jesus Christ, that he fulfilled his promise and sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, because the Word of God would have you and me know this, that he is a tremendous Comforter. He's the greatest. He is second to none. There could be no greater Comforter than the Holy Spirit who came on this day centuries ago, who is the great Teardryer who is the great cheerer-upper in your Christian life and mine, who is the one that brings joy and sunshine to us in this world. And you and I may say, is he that kind of a comforter, this Holy Spirit? Is he tremendous? Is he the greatest? Is he the incomparable comforter? Is he really in a class by himself? And in the first place, the Holy Spirit would remind you and me of this, that he is the one who through the word, He calls you and me to faith in Jesus Christ, the answer, therefore, to our sin problem. We may say, just how much of a comforter is the Holy Spirit? And again, we may say, this rather leaves me cold. We say, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, bear in mind, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Our God is one But he is Father, he is Son, and he is Holy Spirit. You and I can get an image of God as Father. We picture a God as Father. We get a good image of Jesus, the Son, because he became a human being. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he's hard for you and me to view or to think of because he never became a human being, but he is still God. He assumed at one time, you know, at Jesus' baptism, the form of a dove, the symbol of peace. But bear in mind, Jesus said he is the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who has given us the word of God. He has seen to it that men wrote it down. He gave us the Old Testament by inspiration, he gave us the New Testament. He is the Spirit of truth, and this is his workshop. There is something about the Word of God that is not true about any other literature, and that is this that the Holy Spirit, He works in and through the Word of God. There is a drawing power in the Word of God. There is something that comes to you and me there and pulls us to God, and it is the Holy Spirit because He is the one who came to make us Christians. And through the Word of God, here is the comfort He brings you and me to a knowledge of our sin. He brings you and me to this that we are lost and condemned and that we cannot save ourselves. And then he draws through the word you and me to Jesus Christ and he says look at him. Here is the Savior, God's Son that came into the world. Here is one who on the cross bore your guilt and punishment for you. Here is one who arose. Here is one that says if you put your trust in him that again he becomes your Lord and your Savior. And thus he is a comforter second to none because when he brings you and me to faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is the one who does it then he assures you and me of this comfort that our sins are forgiven that you and I are delivered from hell and damnation that eternal life and everlasting salvation have become our own And again, we may challenge ourselves and say, what greater comfort could the Holy Spirit bring you and me than assuring us through the word that when he has brought us to a childlike faith in Christ the Savior, that he says, I assure you, God has forgiven your sins. He has forgotten your guilt. He has forgotten everything that you have done wrong. He has obliterated all of your guilt from his mind forever. He has saved you from hell and eternal destruction. He has saved you unto heaven and eternal life body and soul this is the comfort of the holy spirit and that's why today the pentecost calls you and me to give our thanks and praise to christ that he sent this another comforter that he sent the holy spirit who is the great comforter the great again tear dryer in your life and mine assuring us that since he has brought us to a saving faith in christ that we are saved and therefore on this sunday pentecost we ought to say to ourselves, I am going to thank Christ that he fulfilled that promise, that on this day he sent the Holy Spirit, and then you and I will be determined that when we either today recommit ourselves to Christ or commit ourselves for the first time, we will determine to do it absolutely willingly and joyfully, realizing that if the Holy Spirit had not come, not one of us would be a Christian. Luther says, you know, in the explanation of the third article, I believe in Jesus Christ, and then he says, I believe that the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, because he said, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. If the Holy Spirit had not come, there would not be any Christians. He is the Christianizer. He is the Spirit of Truth. By our own reason or strength, we do not bring ourselves to Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is a tremendous comforter, but we say, well, how does it come that he just came on Pentecost? Didn't he ever come before this? When you turn to your word of God, to the Bible, you find that back in the first chapter of Genesis, the Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit existed in the Old Testament. Everyone who was saved in the Old Testament was saved by the Holy Spirit. But when he came on Pentecost, it was in the plan of God that when Christ fulfilled his mission here on earth, when redemption had been purchased and salvation for the world, then the Holy Spirit came and was poured out on this day to begin the work of winning the world for Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has given us this word, and then again the disciples were to carry it to the ends of the earth. But if the Holy Spirit had not come this day, you and I would never have been brought to a living faith in Christ. And so we say to ourselves, I gladly shall recommit myself to Jesus Christ. I shall surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. And those who are going to be baptized today can say, thank God that I have been called by the Holy Spirit in baptism. For as many as have been baptized into Jesus Christ, have put on Christ. And we can have this comfort and this dries our tears and this brings joy to our hearts and this brings a smile to our face to know that the Holy Spirit has called us and that if he had not come you and I would not be a Christian wonder why he called you and why he called me we say to ourselves the great mystery of God isn't it you and I didn't deserve to be called by the Holy Spirit but through the word of God you and I have been called by this great comforter calling and pulling to you and me to believe in Jesus Christ to surrender to him that we may have the comfort again of the peace that the world cannot understand to know that we have been saved and we thank the holy spirit why did he call you and me through the word to a living faith in jesus christ we didn't deserve it this is the great mystery of the holy spirit and that's why pentecost today it calls you and me this great anniversary calls and says thank christ and give him your praise and your gratitude that he fulfilled his promise that he sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter this day, a a comforter who is incomparable, absolutely not to be compared with anyone else, second to none, the greatest beyond doubt. He is the comforter that, again, has come to bring joy and peace and consolation to you and me, He's the one that dries tears because the Holy Spirit in the second place reminds you and me that he is the one working through the word of God who continues to call you and me to faith in Jesus Christ regardless of how long we have defected him if we have and regardless of the seriousness of our defection. Some of us may say today... Does the Holy Spirit still call me through the word of God? Is he still the comforter? Does he want me even though I have long ago turned my back on the church? I have turned my back on Jesus Christ. I have been a backslider. I have wandered away. Is there any comfort in that Holy Spirit? Does he care? And the Holy Spirit, Christian friend, has had written in the eternal word. You recall again the story of the lost sheep, the man that had a hundred sheep and one of them strayed and how he left the 99. Why do you think the Holy Spirit has caused that to be written and preserved in the word of God? The man that went out to seek the sheep that was lost, who went out to throw out the lifeline. You know, someone was sinking and someone was drifting what is the holy spirit saying to you and me today he is saying that regardless of how we have wandered away or how long uh, that he cares and that he is still calling there is something that is a drawing power in the word of god whenever you and i read it or whenever we hear it preached whenever we hear it sung the holy spirit is calling to your soul and mind, saying You come on back because when that lost sheep was restored again they rejoiced and they again brought in the neighbors. And the woman with the lost coin when she lost one she swept the house and when she found it she called in the neighbors and they rejoiced. And the Holy Spirit would remind you of the lost son who went away. And again not only had he turned his back on his father but he had gone to the very depth in unchristian living But again the Father was waiting and ready. The Holy Spirit is the one who dries tears and he speaks through the word of God and he calls you and me and says, I don't care how long you have defected. I don't care what the nature of your defection has been. He's still calling and there is a power when we hear the word of God. There's something about it that draws. There's something about it that gets into our very soul, that gets to our very conscience, and it's a pulling power. It's a drawing power because Christ sent the Holy Spirit who is, again, the great comforter, the one who dries our tears, the one who makes us smile, the one who gives us hope, giving us this comfort, and it's second to none. That regardless of how far you and I may have wandered away or what the nature of our defection He is graciously assuring you and me that God forgives us whenever we come in sorrow and that he gives you and me strength for the day of temptation and for the day of adversity. The Holy Spirit testifies, has any soul ever been cast out? Has anyone ever come again back to Jesus Christ and asked for forgiveness? Uh, That Jesus has said, no, I cannot forgive you. The Holy Spirit assures you and me and he has written it in the word that Jesus said, come all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest in that standing invitation of Jesus. This is the testimony of the Holy Spirit, bringing you and me the assurance that whenever we're sorry enough to turn and ask for forgiveness, that forgiveness is ours, and then the Holy Spirit comforts us and dries our tears by saying, I'll give you strength for temptation. That whatever the temptation may be, to sin, to immorality, the Holy Spirit says, because he is the eternal spirit and will never leave us, he says, I will give you strength to say no whenever you are tempted to do something wrong. I will give you strength in adversity, that regardless of what the adversity is, that if there is a ten-ton load laid on your soul, The Holy Spirit promises, I'll give you a ten-ton faith, that again, that adversity, will not cause you to break down and to turn away from Jesus Christ. Here is the Comforter who came on the day of Pentecost, assuring you and me that he is the one who dries tears, the one that brings joy into your life and mine, the one that makes us smile again, the one that makes our heart rejoice and thank God, he is the comforter, he is the one beyond compare, he stands in a class by himself and that's why today when we say here at Emmanuel, again because this is the anniversary of the birthday of the Christian church when three thousand souls entered it and we say when we recommit ourselves to Christ because of the Holy Spirit's coming who comforts us, let's do it honestly or when we commit ourselves for the first time, let's be certain that we do it honestly, realizing that if we don't do it sincerely and honestly, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, who is the one who called you and me, who again entreats you and me, who pleads with us that we can grieve him, but he will go away from us and we will force him to leave. When today we recommit ourselves to Jesus Christ, and when we commit ourselves for the first time, let's be honest about it. It means What do you mean commitment, we may say? What do you mean surrender? It means to say yes to Jesus Christ as our Savior and as the Master of our life. It means to say I surrender my will to you, Lord Jesus. Your will shall be my will. You shall live your life through me. You shall live my life for me. It means surrender, doesn't it? It means this, that in your life and mind, even though there will be sins of ignorance every day, and there will be sins of weakness that you and I don't want to do, but surrender means this, that I'm, I'm done, Lord, with deliberate sin. I'm done with persistently doing something that I know is wrong. When it's wrong because I have surrendered to you, it means this, that you and I say, I'm done with that. Give me strength, Holy Spirit. But when it's wrong, then it is wrong. This is what commitment means. Lest you and I grieve the Spirit, because whenever we deliberately do that which we know is wrong, whenever you and I go on and our commitment to Christ has not been sincere, then we put grooves on our soul, but these are sinful grooves these form calluses and we can callous our soul to the point that the holy spirit's drawing power is no longer effective we have grieved him to the point that when he calls we don't hear anymore and it leads to the sin against the holy ghost it leads to the unpardonable sin it is unpardonable because we have hardened our hearts by grooves of deliberate sin to the point that we no longer want him and we bite the hand that feeds us and therefore we stand as lost and condemned not because the holy spirit didn't want to save and to comfort and to dry our tears but we calloused our soul we killed our soul as regards the pulling power and the entreating power of the holy spirit let's today as we recommit ourselves or commit ourselves to jesus christ for the first time let's be honest about it and then that we can have this comfort The comfort of knowing that we haven't grieved the Spirit, to know that we belong to him. We may say, well, this thing of Pentecost, what does it all mean? It means this, that on this day centuries ago, uh, Jesus fulfilled the promise that he had made, and he sent the Holy Ghost as comforter, the one to console us, the one to come and to feel with us, the one to dry our tears, the one to put cheer into our soul. The one to let the sun shine again, to make you and me smile. And we may say, well, is he much of a comforter? And the word of God would assure us that there couldn't have been a greater comforter than the Holy Spirit who came on this day centuries ago because the Holy Spirit also reminds you and me that he is the one who, through the word, he calls you and me to a life of holiness and to a life of love. We say, how much of a comfort really is the Holy Spirit? He is the spirit of truth who has given us the word of God. Whenever you and I read the word of God, whenever we hear it preached, whenever we hear it spoken, whenever we hear it sung, the Holy Spirit is working there with a force that is pulling you and me. And he calls to you and me what through the word of God that he has given. He calls us to a life of holiness and to a life of love. Jesus said in the upper room that night, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we may say, how much comfort is there when the Holy Spirit calls you and me to a life of holiness when he says, away with deliberate sin, away with persistent sin. Live a life set apart for Jesus Christ. Live a holy life. Live a life as sinless as possible. And he calls you and me also to a life of love. Love your fellow man. Love your fellow man that you want nothing less for him regardless of who he is than that he spend eternal life in heaven with you and so treat him. That's the call of the Holy Spirit. And when you and I are called, you say, well, where is there any comfort in living a holy life? Where is there any comfort in loving my fellow man that I treat him, that I want him in heaven? There comes this comfort that Christians experience the comfort of an enthusiastic life, of a real joyous life. We sometimes say to ourselves, is there any joy in holy living? Rather strange that when we surrender to Christ and embark on it, it may amaze us. But we find that this is the happy life. This is the enthusiastic life. This is the life in Christ. That there is joy In holiness, there must be, because heaven is going to be an eternity of holiness. It must be the most satisfying, the most joyous, the most enthusiastic life possible. And we experience that when the Holy Spirit dries our tears and says, Here is holy living. This is satisfying living. And also the joy then that the Holy Spirit gives us that as we look at our lives and we see love manifesting itself to our fellow man in our treatment of him, the Holy Spirit says, here are evidences that your faith in Jesus is genuine. Jesus again would assure you and me that our faith's got to show itself. How do I know whether my faith is living or dead? The Holy Spirit says that a faith without deeds is a dead one. But the Holy Spirit testifies that when your faith in mine shows itself in love, in kindness, in mercy, in deeds of kindness for others, that then we can say to ourselves, my faith is alive. And the Holy Spirit says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There is no greater comfort that can come in your Christian experience and mine than what the Holy Spirit brings Thank Christ that on the day of Pentecost, even though your thinking and mind may be a little fuzzy about the Holy Spirit, He came as the great comforter. He's second to none. He is incomparable. He brings comfort to your soul and mind. He dries our tears and chases away despondency and despair. He makes us smile again. He brings joy. He makes us walk on tiptoe because again, the comfort that he brings, the joy and the peace, is something that defies human understanding. And that's why today on Pentecost Sunday, when this is also Recommitment Day and Commitment Day, we ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to thank Christ that he sent the Holy Spirit, who is the great comforter through the word of God. He comforts me in every moment and he promises that he shall be with me forever forever. And then we ought to determine this, that in recommitting ourselves or committing ourselves today, that we are going to do it with, again, a great feeling of confidence. But we may say to ourselves this morning, well, I may recommit myself to Jesus Christ, and some today will say, I'll commit myself. I'm going to join the church for the first time. But who knows what's coming in the future? We may say, what about the days that lie ahead and things are rather dark can i depend on the holy spirit can i depend on him to dry my tears can i depend on him to keep me smiling can i depend on the holy spirit when i see dark days ahead and they are pretty dark aren't they pretty dark you and i say what's coming in the next years and you and I can only anticipate, and we say, looks like dark days ahead. We're wondering what's happening on our campuses, and if you read your paper last week when the president of Ashland College closed Ashland College, remember what he said? and said he closed the school because he became aware that there were on that campus individuals who didn't attend that school. And did you read the same thing with regard to Kent University? Did you read the same thing with regard to Ohio University at Athens? And did you read the same thing with regard to Ohio State University? That in, again, in all these frustrations and in all these strikes, and again in the fires and the burnings there, have appeared on our college campuses individuals in that group who don't belong there. And we say to ourselves, is this just coincidence or what is it? We say to ourselves, who are these individuals? Is again, is there something that is planned? But when one of our students came home from his school and he said this, that he had the answer, the answer he got in the classroom from his professor who said, Karl Marx is the answer. We wonder some of these professors that are finding themselves on campuses where they don't belong. Karl Marx, you know, was the communist who said religion's the opiate of the people. He is the one that says this thing's got to be changed by destruction and by revolution. You've got to persecute the church. You've got to drown out the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You've got to persecute Christians. We say to ourselves, what's being taught in some of these classrooms? When we look at communism that is destructive and says it must go, then we say to ourselves, when in just a few decades, communism, which is godlessness, controls one-fourth of the earth's surface and one-third of the population of the world, then we begin to say to ourselves, are our young people being led and being duped by those who would destroy this nation of ours? When I was in Berlin, on the west side of Berlin, on this side of the wall, I saw crosses because they indicated those who tried to come from the east side, from the communistic side over to the west side, and they were killed, but they were willing to die because they wanted to be on the west side of freedom, away from communism. When I was on the east side, in the communist side, I didn't see any... Evidences that anybody from the West Had tried to scale the wall Oh you can go from the West Into the East if you want to And I've never seen any lineup of individuals Wanting to get into communistic Russia But I know of millions That would love to come into this land There are those who are saying Destroy it When one of our boys came home And said to his father who is a Christian He's a pig He is a pig I am beginning to wonder, again, what's behind all this? Yes, it is dark, but the Holy Spirit testifies in the word that he will be with us forever. One day when Jesus was talking to the twelve, and he told them about persecution and that they would be killed, and he said, don't worry, when that day comes, he says, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. You and I know this. The Holy Spirit says to you and me, the days are dark, to be sure. We wonder what's going to happen in this land. We wonder whether our young people realize that in the destruction of everything that we have built, that communism has nothing to offer, nothing but godlessness, but despair. And yet the Holy Spirit says, if you face those days, we're seeing something in the world we've never seen, a organized group who are bent on putting God out of this world and Jesus Christ forever. But Jesus says, don't worry if that day comes, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. I remember down in Memorial Hall when Reverend Martin Niemöller came back from Germany, when he was in a concentration camp because of Hitler, because he was a Christian. And I remember him speaking of this very thing, of what what a comforter, the Holy Spirit really was, in concentration camp without even a Bible. And how he got up and he told, he says, what it meant. That again, they would whisper the word of God to one another, that the guards didn't hear it, because if they had even been heard whispering the word of God, they would have been shot. And how he would go by and whisper from the side of his mouth to somebody else, Jesus has said, because I live, ye shall live also. In the dead of night, how he said they gathered around on their knees, and they joined hands and they prayed and the Holy Spirit told them what to say and finally he said all fear was gone all hatred was gone whenever a guard came up and they thought this was the last he said there was a peace that the world couldn't understand the Holy Spirit was there and this was the testimony in Memorial Hall the Holy Spirit gave him strength he said there were even times when he could go back to it because there was a peace that he had never felt before everything was all right when you and I face blackness and we say, what's coming? And I don't know what's coming, but I do know it doesn't look good. Even the Holy Spirit in the sacrament this morning says to you and me on the base of the word, here is bread and wine that brings you the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Here is comfort and here is strength. Here is the assurance of salvation. Nothing else matters. And then we can walk the glory road and we can say to ourselves, I know this, that the Holy Spirit will not desert me. When that time comes, will I desert the ranks? Will I prove unfaithful? The Holy Spirit says, I'll tell you what to say. I'll give you strength. We can walk the glory road and we can sing the song of John Henry Newman when he saw it it was so dark and he said, lead kindly light. What he was saying, lead kindly light, he could have said, lead comforting spirit. This is whom he meant. Lead, kindly light, amid the encircling gloom, lead thou me on. The night is dark, and I am far from home, lead thou me on. Then he prayed, keep thou my feet, I do not ask to see the distant scene, one step, enough for me. Oh, we can walk the glory road with our tears dried by the Holy Spirit, knowing He'll never forsake us, knowing that He'll tell us what to say, that we'll give a good testimony. He will guide our feet. We don't have to see what's coming. The Holy Spirit said, Just one step at a time, I will guide you. Nothing else matters. That's Pentecost in the 20th century when our nation is ill. Let's thank God for Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the tear dryer, who brings comfort, who makes you and me in the darkness smile again. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Mm -hmm.